Parenting's hard. Can I be honest? Like, it's just really hard. And we have four kids, and, you know, so we're at, you know, 13, 12, 9, and four and a half. And so, like, we're in the trenches. We spent more than 11 years being youth pastors to hundreds of teenagers and walking through their families and all that. But if I were to do this series before we had kids, I'd have probably been like, here's the 12 things you must do as parents, right, if you're going to be successful. And now I'm just kind of like... I'm going to throw out a few suggestions. If anything sticks, like God bless you, right? I mean, because parenting is a tough gig, hardest thing on planet Earth. And, uh, but for the next four weeks, it's what we're going to talk about, about how we can be more intentional as parents. So just by a show of hands, uh, how many of you are in this room that are not parents yet, but you hope to be maybe one day? Right? You maybe hope to be one day. All right. That's great. (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to leave it there. That's great. Okay. Um, How many of you are empty nesters? Right? Your kids are grown. Look at how happy these people are. Look at them. Just look around. Look at how happy they're like, we've done it. Yes, we crossed the finish line. Uh, How many of you are boomerang parents? Uh, you thought your kids were gone, but surprise, they're back, right? Okay, there's a couple of... How many of you are grandparents? Any grandparents in the room, right? Isn't that the best life, right? I mean, your job is just to spoil them. And we know you've all been up since 4 a.m., so we're just glad you're here and you're still awake. I mean, that's awesome. Thank you for being here. Uh, how many of you are brand new parents? Like, less than two years, your, your parents. Let me see your hands. And we have a few... <laughs> look at the suckers. Look at them. <laughs> we're glad you're here, even though you all look like zombies. All right, yeah, you're tired. I get it. How many of you are parents of teenagers? right now. Parents of teenagers, I mean, all I can say is our eternal prayers are just with you every day. I, you know, like we're entering that zone right now and wow, yeah, we'll just pray for each other. This will be good. But all of our, you know, all of us as parents, we can relate, right? If, if you've been around it, uh, you think to yourselves, what in the heck were we thinking, right? I mean, why didn't someone sit down and warn us about how hard it was going to be? Because parenting really is the hardest gig around and there's no manual or instruction manual that comes with kids. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? You know, if one, I mean, it'd be weird, but it'd be nice to have something, right, that came with that. Uh, but I think we'd all agree, toughest job around. But the good news is that we can look and learn from one another. Uh, those that have gone before us and done this thing. We can also look to the Bible. It has some great instruction for us as parents. And that's what we're going to do for the next four weeks. And so as we kick off today, we're going to talk about purposeful relationships and how we do that with our kids. I, I just wanted to start this thing off by reading in Psalm 127, verse 3 through 5. This is a great reminder for us. It says that kids are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And this is a good reminder, right? Because kids really are a blessing from God to us. And so it begs the question then, how are we stewarding this heritage? And how well are we stewarding this reward? How are we stewarding this blessing that God has given us? And that's really what this whole series will be about. And the reason that we're going to talk about purposeful relationships and just kind of start there is because in all of my years of youth pastoring and all of my years of even being a parent, right, in in ministry, and we've seen countless families walk through a lot of really difficult things, um, I've really never run into anybody that said, my life really began to unravel um, when I didn't make the eighth grade soccer team, right? That's not really what we hear. I've never heard anybody say my life unraveled when I didn't get in the college of my choice or when I had to miss the dance recital that one day because our car broke down or because I didn't get the math tutor that I wanted or I only got to play three sports a year. I mean, that's when my life really fell apart. I didn't get to go on that field trip to Canada with everyone else. That's not what I've generally heard. But in a lot of cases, 
I've heard people say that the difficulty in life began with poor relationships with their parents. Poor relationships with mom and dad. And some of you might even say that, right? As you would say, you look back on your own life and your years being raised and say, man, I had a really rough relationship with my parents. And to some extent, I paid the price for it in my life. Or maybe others of you say, I had a wonderful relationship with my mom and dad. And look at how it's benefited my life and that they're still there for me and we have this awesome relationship. And so I think on both ends of the spectrum, we can certainly understand this. Um, But if we're in that space of saying, well, you know, sometimes this happens even unintentionally. We have poor relationships. Like, how do we avoid that? What do we do to work on that? Um, I would say the very first thing that we're just going to kind of build on today, and and this is the first fun in your notes, uh, that something that all parents will battle with is the trend in our culture to make our kids experience rich and relationship poor. It's this trend in our culture. We're going to fight against it to make our kids experience rich and relationship poor. And, you know, I mean, I think it's normal. We all want our kids maybe to have a better life than what we had, or we want to provide more for our kids than what our parents provided for us. And so we kind of get on this hamster wheel a little bit of providing that. We want them to be well-rounded. So we want to give them as many experiences as possible. And oftentimes what happens, even unintentionally, is that we do end up making our kids really experience rich. And then one day we realize that they've become and we've become relationally poor. Uh, But we all know this is true as an adult. In your 30s and 40s and 50s, it's the ability to develop mature and rich relationships that really make life worth living, right? It's what brings balance into our life. It's what brings wholeness into our life. And we can have those great relationships, not just great experiences. Not that there's anything wrong with experiences, but I think our culture has become so preoccupied with making sure that the kid's at the ball field on time that we can't remember the last time we had dinner around a table together or a meaningful conversation eyeball to eyeball, right? And we're all in this pressure. My kids play sports. My daughter's in gymnastics. We get that grind, right? And it's really all about balance. How do we balance these things out? So at the end of the day, they don't end up being experienced rich and relationally poor. So important. Sometimes we make the mistake as parents of measuring our success uh, by how busy and involved our kids are or what their GPA is. Well, as long as you got all A's, then I'm doing a great job as a parent. Um, But we rarely monitor our kids in terms of how we're doing relationally. Right? When, When the rubber meets the road, how are we doing in each relationship with our kids? Uh, One of my favorite times with all my kids growing up uh, was when I would come home from work. And as they were little, like, they'd be so excited to see me, and they would run, and, you know, and they wanted, you know, when my boys, they're 13 months apart, you know, they're 13 and 12 now, but when they were little, four and five, all they wanted to do was play tigers and cheetahs. Every day when I got home, they wanted to play tigers and cheetahs, right? And my daughter, she wanted to play restaurant, and she wanted to do this, and, you know, and all the tickle fights. And, and now Paxton, he's, he's four and a half, and he's one of the few that still gets really excited when I get home. You know, the, the other kids are like, hey, Dad, you know, probably because I'm going to ask about homework and chores, and they get that, right? But Paxton still loves when I come home and he just wants to play and he wants to play and he wants to play. And I love that part of it. Um, you know, I think the question becomes, what are they communicating? Like when, when our kids were little and they wanted to play, right? As soon as you came in the door, you know, Saturday morning at 6 a.m., they want your attention. You know, they're pulling on your pillow, you know, to get up and get moving and let's play and let's do all these things. What are they really asking? 
unbeknownst to them because they couldn't even actually even be able to put this in a phrase like this, but really what they're saying is, Dad or Mom, could we have some relationship building time? Could we have that? Because intuitively, they crave that. They crave that relationship with us. They want to spend that quality time with us. And if I were to ask us all, do we believe that building a relationship with our kids is important? Every single one of us would say yes. And if I were to follow up that question with, why is it important? I think some of us might get stuck a little bit. Or we may not be able to, you know, really verbalize the ramifications of how important it is to build relationships with our kids. And so if I can, I just want to help give you and all of us a why of why this is so important and it's your next fill-in. And your why is this, because nothing determines the trajectory of our kids' lives more than relationship with us as parents. Nothing. There is not another relationship on earth that is more important. Right? Nothing determines the trajectory of our kids' lives more than the relationship they have with us as parents. We are by far the most important relationship that our kids will ever have. And the problem becomes, and we've all experienced this, the problem is that some of us are so busy that dinner's been on the fly for a long time. We can't remember sitting around, right? Because we're busy working long hours to provide the experiences our kids need and want. Or, you know, we're playing chauffeur and all we're doing is spending time in the car and we haven't had that meaningful conversation. But at the end of the day, as our role as parents, if we've worked a job really, really hard to make our kids experience rich, I wonder if we won't wake up one day and regret that we've unintentionally made them relationally poor. So what do we do about that? And how do we make a relationship that lasts? And so we're going to talk about this, and I just want to flesh this out a little bit, but one key, it's your next film, one key to building a purposeful relationship with your kid is to get into their world. Get into their world. And we know this looks different every stage of life that your kids are in, but what about right now? What are you doing to get involved in your kid's life? I was talking to a dad last couple weeks ago, his name is Mason, they attend here, and, and we were talking, and, and he said that his daughter's in dance, and he actually joined a dance troupe with a father and daughter, and so the fathers and daughters learn the routines and dances together. And I just thought, that is so cool, because, I mean, I don't think Mason, by nature, is a dancer, right? Uh, but he's doing it because he loves his kid. Um, a dozen years ago, I had a dad come to me and say, Ryan, I don't know what to do. I, I feel like my relationship with my 12, 13-year-old is slipping. And he said, my other son, and both of them were in our youth group, he, he said it was easy because he loves football, and so that's just what we connect on. And so we watch football games together, we go to games together, it's just how we connect. But my other son, he's like into music and guitars and video games, and I'm not into that, and I, I just don't even know how to connect with him. And I looked at him, I said, Scott, I said, here's what you gotta do. You've gotta get into his world. Right? And your son may not like football, but guess what you're about to start liking? Video games and music and guitars. Whether you like it or not, I'm telling you what, if you can do that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lean your relationship towards one another. And sometimes it means getting out of our comfort zone. And I haven't seen Scott in 10 years. And this last summer, he came to Minneapolis on a job. He was work trip. And he came to church and he said, can we have lunch afterwards? And I said, absolutely. And so we went out to lunch. And 
you know, he said, he said, Ryan, I don't know if you ever remember telling me to get into my kid's world. And he goes, but I did. And he said, I can't tell you how it changed our relationship. And he's sitting there, tears streaming down his face 10 years later. And he said, today, my, me and my son have such a close relationship because I got into his world. And he said, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me that. But I think for us, you know, it just doesn't always come intuitively because we have our own interests, our own hobbies, our own things, and we hope our kids will like those things. And if not, then we're missing out on this kind of relationship. But getting into their world, your next fill-in, getting into their world means to become interested in what they are interested in, even if you are not. Because it's not the activity that matters, it's the connection that matters. It's not the activity that matters, it's the connection that matters. And this connection is all about time and acceptance, right? It communicates these things so loudly to our kids. Right? It's quality time, it's quantity time saying, I want to lean into your world. I, I want to be interested in the things you're interested in. Uh, the other day, last week, I don't know, it was just a long week, and I was tired, and Paxton was so excited to see me, and he came, you know, with, a, he has this stuffed pineapple, and he wants to play catch with it, right? And he's like, Dad, can we play catch with the pineapple? And I was just so tired, and I was like, buddy, I'm just so tired. Dad just wants to sit for a minute. And then I got that look from my wife, like, your son just asked you to play catch with you. You better play catch. And so I just thought, you know, a compromise. You know, he's four and a half. He understands compromises, of course. And so I just said to him, you know, buddy, if I can sit on the couch, then I will play catch with you. As long as I can sit on the couch, then we'll play catch. And I thought halfway through him playing a couch, like catch, I am sitting on a couch playing catch. What a horrible and lazy father I am, right? I am not winning any Father of the Month awards, right? It's just it. I was just so tired. I just wanted to be there. And here's the thing about our kids. They know that we're busy and they know that we're tired because we tell them a lot. We do. We communicate how tired we are. We communicate how busy we are. And I get it. We have bills and cars and we have this and that and cooking and cleaning. We just have so many things to keep up with in laundry. And with every kid, it feels like it doubles. You know, and how does that happen? I don't get it. And, but it just seems like it's never ending the list to do. And sometimes we become so busy that we miss out on those moments to build those relationships. So one piece of advice I'd give is just to say yes as often as possible when your kids are asking to spend time with you. Because there will come a day that they ask a whole lot less. And there will come a day when they're getting their license and driving and all those things that they don't ask at all. So if your kids are still little and they're asking to spend time, say yes as often as possible to spend that time. Because giving them that time and acceptance communicates louder than anything else of how much you value that relationship. We can't just tell them, we have to show them. And so I listed just a, a few practical things. We don't have a lot of time to sit on it, but I, I put it on your notes so you could take it with you. And if it helps later, great. If not, throw it away, I'll make whatever. So here's a couple things I just jotted down. Practical ways to build relationship. The first thing is create memories through traditions. Um, have annual traditions that you do with your kids. For us, we take them to state fair every single year. We take a picture in the same spot. It's kind of what we do. And maybe you could build, uh, you know, it around an apple orchard or Christmas time, holidays, doing something together or birthdays. I don't know. But create memories through traditions. That's so important. Another one, carve out one-on-one -on -one time. Carve out one-on-one -on -one time with your kids. If you have multiple kids, this is hard. Um, but maybe it's on their birthday. We let our kids skip school on their birthday and then we take the day off of work and we go spend it with them. Uh, maybe it's a surprise breakfast to donuts. Maybe it's a date with mom and dad. Um, and Tara, she's really good. She's intuitive like this in a way that I'm not, but she can just kind of tell when one of our kids is off and just 
you know, is acting out a little bit more or just not, you know, and she'll say, I, th- I feel like we need some one-on-one time. And then one of us will take them out. Um, and it's amazing how different our kids are when we get them alone and get them one-on-one. And, and there's that time to renew that relationship again and again. Another one I would say is be verbal in your acceptance and love. Be verbal. They need to hear it over and over and over again. Um, and, and to the guys in the room that you'd say, I just don't feel comfortable saying the words like, I love you. Um, I would just gently say, get over it. You know, like, your kids need to hear it. They need to hear you say that you're proud of them. My dad says that he didn't say, he didn't hear the words, I love you from his dad until he was 18 years old. And it wasn't because his dad didn't love him. His dad was an incredible man. But it was because it wasn't how he was raised. He was never told that he was loved. It just wasn't how it was done. But I'm telling you, man, our kids need the verbal affirmation and love. Another one, ask them detailed questions about what's going on in their life and what they're thinking. It can't just be enough to say, how was your day, you know, at school? Because every time I ask my kids that, they say, fine or good. Like, that's as much as I get. And so, you know, you begin to say, how can I ask detailed questions to really try to pull out some more um, around when we're having dinner at night? And I would just say, try to have dinner as many times a week as you can around a table without any distractions, no phones, no TV, nothing Eyeball to eyeball. Just do this as often as you can. I know it's hard as your kids get older. But one thing we always say when we're on the table is, what was the best part of your day? We try to keep it positive. What was the best part of your day? And everyone just shares. And then it provides opportunities for us to ask questions. I would say have a weekly family night. Pick a night of the week that tends to work with your schedule, but play a game, right? Have family devotions, watch a TV show together, something where you're just connecting as a family. Uh, Have regular family dinner. Ask about the favorite part of the day. We just talked about that. I would say put away your phone. This is so important, parents. We just got to do it. Nothing grinds my axe more than when I'm out in public and I see a parent with the kid and the parent's sitting on their phone and they're one-on-one and their kid's just sitting them by themselves like eating, right? Missing out on that opportunity to put phones away. I know they're a distraction. I get it. And sometimes it's important this or that, but put it away. We can't miss out on what's right in front of us. Uh, Try your best to keep work at work. Uh, This is something that I've just had to learn the hard way of keeping work at work. It's going to be there tomorrow when I get there or I've got to wait till kids go to bed before I re-engage uh, because your, need, your kids need to know when you're home, you're home. You're there for them. You're fully engaged. They need you. Um, make your gifts activity-based, especially as they get older. So I know as your kids get older, it's harder. Like, well, they already have everything. What do we get them? And I would just say, pick gifts where it's going to build a relationship. Maybe it's a concert. Maybe it's a trip. You know, it's an activity. We're going to go and do something together to build a relationship. It forces that one-on-one time rather than just a new pair of shoes or a new video game, right? Build that. And then lastly, make their activities or interests a priority in your schedule. Uh, so attend your stuff. And believe me, I know my schedule's busy. And when you have kids, like, things just pop up out of the blue. Like, oh, they have conferences. That would have been nice to know like six months ago, but we don't. It's this week. And so I would just encourage you, you know, or, you know a ball game or a recital, something pops up all the time. Do your very best to rearrange your stuff to be engaged, to be at their activities, to be their stuff. Do your very, very best to do that. And I think those are some practical ways to build relationship. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9.6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And here Paul is referring to finances, but it's also true in all of our relationships. We see this theme throughout Scripture about sowing and reaping, that what we put into relationship with our kids is what we get out. And maybe you've heard the saying before, I don't care how much you know, 
until I know how much you care. Have you ever heard that before? And this is intuitive for every single human being. I don't give a rip about what you know if we have no relationship. And as parenting, this is so true. The kids will say, I don't care what you know until I know how much you care. And sometimes as parents, we just want our kids to know how much we know. And it's why we say things like, well, because I said so, right? And I'm the boss. And we tend to forget that it's not our control that matters most, but it's our influence. And so I I just want to take just the few minutes we have remaining to talk about this idea of control and influence. And some of you may not agree with me, and that's okay, but I'm just going to put it out there for what it's worth. In all of my years of youth pastoring especially, when I have saw teenagers in relationship with their parents, especially as your kids hit their teenage years, influence is so, so important. But it all begins with relationship. And this is your next film. Like, if you don't hear anything else, if you don't write anything else, this would be the one. Uh, This would be a takeaway. Relationship buys the right to influence your child's life. Relationship buys the right to influence your child's life. This is so, so true. Right? Every time when they're little and you've been building the relationship and you've been spending the time and you've been doing the donuts and you've been doing the things just to build a relationship, one day there's going to be a massive payoff when you need to have influence in their life and relationship that you've built up until that point will buy the right to keep influencing your child. And so the question is, what would it look like to have deep relationships with your kids right now and long after they're gone from your house? What kind of influence do you want to have? And so here's what I'd like you to consider in our last few minutes, and you may not agree. I would like you to consider that it is always better to lose control than lose your influence. It is always better to lose some control over losing your influence. And let me help explain this. Um, I want you to think about your relationship with your parents because it's different for all of us. If you had a really difficult relationship with mom and dad growing up and now you're in your 20s and your 30s and they call you up to give you some unsolicited advice, how likely are you to be open to that advice? Big fat zero, right? Come on, let's be honest. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you, on the other hand, had a great relationship with your mom and dad and their influence continued in their life and you're in your 20s and 30s and making some pretty big life choices and they call and they share with you what they would do, how willing are you to receive it? Good chance you'd receive it really high, right? Why? Because it all rises and falls on relationship. And it really is because of this truth right here, your next fill-in, that influence always trumps control. Influence always trumps control. And we should want to be in the seat of influence no matter what stage of life our kids are in. Right? Influence always trumps control. And so that means that we have to let go of some control in order to work on the influence and relationship that we have with them. Because here's the truth, and we all know this. When your kids were first born, right, when they're toddlers, when they're in elementary school, The relationship you have with them is not based on influence. The relationship you have with them is based on size and position. I'm bigger than you. I can pick you up and move you to your room. 
and I can shut the door. I can pick you up and strap you into your car seat and you aren't going anywhere because I am much bigger than you and I'm dad or I'm mom, right? It's all based on size and position. But eventually, size and position goes away, right? I can't remember the last time my mom tried to pick me up and move me somewhere, right? I mean, at this stage, I have a better chance of picking up my mom and moving her somewhere than she has the position and size to move me somewhere. Eventually, that goes away. And so, your next fill-in, when it matters most, the quality of your relationship with your children will determine the weight of your influence. And at the end of the day, every single one of us want influence with our kids. We want it. And when it matters most, the quality of our relationship with our kids will determine the weight of our influence. And so here's the key. If we do not shift eventually towards relational influence and letting go of control the older they get. While we have, even while we have position and size on our kids, if we aren't making that shift to relational influence, we could lose it forever. That's how big this is. And you build that influence through purposeful time, purposeful acceptance. But the truth is, and some of you have experienced this, we can also lose it. We can also lose relationship and influence with our kids. And maybe you're here today, and, and if you're in that spot, right, and, and you're starting in the teenage years or whatever, and I would say especially 15, 16, 17, this is so important. Um, and maybe you'd say, Ryan, I feel like I'm losing some relationship. Maybe it's happening unintentionally, or how, am I, how can I even be aware if it's slipping, or, or how do I know if I am losing influence with my kid? Um, how do you recognize it? I think Paul gives us some great insight as parents and what to avoid. In Ephesians 6, 4, he says this, Fathers, and I've included, and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction in the Lord. Do not exasperate your children. What, I mean, that's not really a word we use very often, is it? Exasperate. But what does it mean? It really means this, your next feeling. Exasperate is taking advantage of your size and position to make your kids mad at you. Or get them to do whatever you want. I'm going to exasperate them. That even when you're wrong, you've made yourself look right. And even when you're right, you say it in a way that makes them frustrated. And from your kid's perspective, it feels like they can't ever win. And it causes your relationship to be off balance. They can't ever win. Whether they're right or they're not right, they just can't win. It's always difficult. And what does that to our relationship with our kid, right? Um, it, everything becomes out of balance. And Paul says, your next feeling, if you aren't careful, you will provoke them to anger and you will begin to chip away at your relationship. That's why he says, parents, don't exasperate your kids. Don't use manipulation. Don't be passively aggressive. Right? Don't feel like they're constantly in a corner and they can't ever win. Because even when they're at that stage of life, they may end up doing exactly what you want them to do. But when the day comes that size and position no longer matter, you will lose influence and relationship with them. 
But instead, Paul says, your next villain, but instead bring them up. It's this Greek word, ektrepho, which means to nourish or to build and invest into. He says, instead of exasperating them, I want you to nourish them and build into them. He says, your approach shouldn't be to frustrate your kids, but nourish them and to build them up. And for every parent in this room that already has a middle schooler or high schooler, you already know that your size and position is having less and less importance in their life, isn't it? You know that. So I want to encourage you, now is the time to focus on relationship over everything else. Over everything else. And I know what some of you with teenagers are thinking. You're saying, but Ryan, I can't do this, right? I can't let go of control. And I'd say, why? And you'd say, because I won't be able to get them to do what I want them to do. And I would say, that is no longer the point. Right, when they're hitting those teenage years, 15, 16, 17 years old, it does not matter how the dishwasher is loaded. It's not worth the fight. Right, it doesn't matter if their clothes were left one more time on the floor. It doesn't matter if their room is, in, you know, they didn't clean it the way that you wanted it, you know. Sometimes as parents, we just want to hold on to control, control, control. And without even realizing it, we're losing influence. Because it's chipping away at relationship. And there's going to come a time that as your kids get older, your next fill-in. Your focus must shift from them always doing what you want them to do to building a relationship that will give you influence for the rest of your life. That's what you want. And if you sense passion in me, it's because as a youth pastor, I saw this happen time and time again with parents. I saw them when, when their kids were younger that they didn't take the time and the energy to build a relationship. And suddenly the kid becomes a teenager and suddenly dad or mom wants to plop their life right in the middle of the chaos and start throwing their size and position around, not even realize that it doesn't matter and it's too far late for all of that. Right? The teenager says, I don't care. Because until I know how much you care, I don't care how much you know. Right? I saw that happen so many times. You know, and the parents say, well, I'm dad or I'm the mom. I'm parent. You better watch your tone and you better, you know, this and that. And the kid isn't even paying attention because the relationship isn't there. And parents will shout, but Ryan, I'm right. And I would say, yes, you are. That's not important anymore. It's not important. Well, Ryan, does this mean that we don't have discipline? Does this mean that we don't have boundaries for our kids? Does it mean we don't have consequences? Of course we do. And that's what we're going to spend all next week on, right? What do we do with discipline and boundaries and all those things? We'll talk about that. But it's more important to ask the question right now, this question as we get ready to wrap up. What can I do now to shift the relationship towards me so that I can be the chief influencer in their life when they face a big decision, right? What can I do right now to shift the relationship towards me so that I can be the chief influencer in their life. Because that is not a role that any one of us want to give up. Because at the end of the day, if you're not the chief influencer, someone else will be. There's a friendship group that will be. There's another peer that will be. There, there's, there's another adult that will be. And they don't care about your kid the way you do. They don't love your kid the way you do. We can't give up that role as chief influencer. And the reason this is so important, and I think intuitively we know this, but we forget that our relationships with our kids will impact the quality of their future relationships, right? It does more to establish emotional health than anything else. And emotionally healthy people have emotionally healthy relationships. And so let me just say it this way. It's your last feeling. 
that when you invest in relationship with your kids, it's like investing in all of their future relationships and decisions. When you invest in relationship with your kids, it's like investing in every single one of their future decisions and every one of their future relationships. I am keenly aware that my daughter's dating and that whole world and her relationship with guys in the future has a lot to do with how I treat her right now. The standard I'm setting for her, the things I'm speaking into her life. And when you think about this right here, right, if this becomes the end all, if we believe this statement that our investment right now in relationships will determine all of their future relationships and will determine their future decisions, if we believe that that is true, in light of that, let me ask you this question. Is it more important that you get an extra hour of work in, an extra hour or two of work in on that evening and skipping out on relationship with your kids? Is it worth it? Because we already know the answer. We would say, in light of this, absolutely not. If the relationship I'm building now will determine their future, absolutely not. Is me being on my phone and ignoring my kids, right, in light of their future decisions, is me skipping out on that event and not being there for them, is it worth it? Not in light of this. Not when we think about that. Because you and I, as parents, will forever impact our future relationships, who they marry, who their friends are, relationships with your grandkids. All of it matters. And so I've listed just some things, some practical ways to not lose influence, right? There's one side of it that we're intentionally on purpose building the relationship, but how do we not lose influence? Let me just throw these out. We'll go fast and then we're done. Uh, Grow in patience. If you don't want to lose influence, grow in patience. Deep breath, be nourishing, encouraging. Like, this is something that Tara and I are living right now. Like, I mean, right, 12, 13, nine-year-olds, and all of our kids are strong-willed. They're just, you know, your kids are who you are, right? And so, like, we all have big personalities, and, and we're just, every day it almost, like, we have to remind each other, be patient, be patient, deep breath, be patient, be patient, deep breath, right? I know you've told them a thousand times to move that, pick that, or do, you know, be patient. Next, don't use Manipulation. Speak from your heart exactly what you mean. Because I've seen that manipulation and passive-aggressive comments, it, it does more to push kids' buttons than just about anything else. It makes them angry. I would say pick your battles because not every hill is worth dying on. And I just say stop it. You're exasperating your kids. You just got to pick what hill am I willing to die on because if you die on every hill, your relationship will die with it. Uh, remind them often that you are for them over and over and over. Keep reminding them that you're for them. Next, say I'm sorry and admit wrongdoing. And I gotta tell you, as like a guy, this is like so hard for me to do with my kids because we're usually right, right, guys? I mean, come on, we're usually right, let's be honest. No, we're not, right? And there are times that I have to go back and apologize and it's like swallowing my pride to go back and apologize. But it is amazing that when I genuinely apologize to my kids, how it immediately opens their heart back up to me. And I think that's the way God intended it. And to set that model and that example that we're, none of us are perfect, we need to keep saying I'm sorry and admit it when we're wrong. Next, I'd say be a better listener than you are talker, right? Take it in, pray about it. Listen when our kids talk. Oh man, that time before bed, it's so important, right? When you're saying goodnight and all that, and you're, maybe you're sitting on the edge of the bed and just talking through life and their day. It's when their heart kind of tends to be most open. Um, Next, I would say focus on your relationship, not your agenda, especially as your kids get older. Like high school, 
you know? Even into like 20s. Like if you have kids in their 20s, just build a relationship. Don't have a hook every time you go out for breakfast. Don't have a hook every time you do something. Just build relationship, build relationship, maintain influence. Next, I would say be a safe place for them to lean. Don't overreact to things, right? Our kids are human like us. They're gonna make mistakes, they're gonna blow it. You know, and I had this in real time with my son last night. You know, he just, he acted in a way and it was just, wasn't good and it was in public and other people saw it and I just, man, I was ticked. I just really wanted to lay in, right? And it was just like deep breath in that moment. And we just had to talk through like how to control your emotions and um, it's not easy to have some of those conversations. But I keep reminding myself, I, I want to be a safe place, that even when they make mistakes, it's, it's a safe place. We can keep having conversations about stuff. Uh, it, it just matters. So if that helps, great. If not, it's fine. But I just want to say relationship and influence make all the difference. But it will not happen unless we do some of these things on purpose. Can we all say that together? On purpose. I mean, we got to be intentional. And we know it's not going to be easy and we're going to be tired and we're going to fail and we're going to have to start over again and we're going to have to apologize. We're going to have to be super intentional on some of this stuff. But I promise you that one day it will be worth it because they are your heritage and they are your reward and they are your blessing. And God invites us into this space of doing some things really intentionally to make the difference in building purposeful relationships. So can we pray together? Oh, Heavenly Father, I'm the first one to say that I, there's so many days that I feel like I'm failing. And I think as parents, um, it's just easy to feel that way. And I wonder if we're doing things right, if we've done them right, if uh, the ramifications of it all, there's just so much at stake, God, and we feel the weight and the pressure of it. We want to get it right. And so we thank you that you love us enough to walk the journey with us. That you're offering to help us that by your Holy Spirit, you can speak to our heart in that moment that we need to be patient, in the moment we need to close the laptop and lean into relationship, in that moment to feel what our kids need one-on-one. -on -one. God, I just, I know that you're able to help us. And so may our ears be in tune with what you're trying to tell us as moms and dads and as grandparents and influencers. Um, I pray that you'd give us strength for the long days, the long weeks. When we're in the trenches and we just feel like giving up, would you give us strength and to remind us that this will be worth it? And so we just admit we need your help. And at the end of this, God, we just pray a blessing over every parent, every relationship with their kid. God, that relationship would come to life again, whether they're five years old, whether they're 25 years old. I just pray for new relationship to be formed for every mom and dad so that influence can be the thing that continues long after size and position are gone. We need your help. We lean on you, God, and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.